Welcome to Toddler Toolkit Podcast, the ultimate parenting guide tailored for the unique challenges of raising twins, multiple kids, or little ones close in age. Hi, I'm Heather, master's in education and proud twin mama of busy toddlers. You might have tried advice tailored for one child, but that's not our journey, right? With a decade of teaching experience under my belt, I've seen it all from toddlers to teenagers in the classroom. Now, as a parent to two toddlers, I'm experiencing the flip side of the coin. So whether you have two under two or just looking for tips that work in tandem, you're in the right place. Let's unlock the secrets to understanding toddler behavior, preventing meltdowns, and raising intuitive, resilient children who listen in two seconds. Hello, welcome parents to today's episode. We are so lucky because we have Michelle with us. She is a marriage coach, wife, and mom of three. She helps parents transform their marriage from co-parenting roommate status to feeling like a couple again. She is passionate about helping couples learn how to communicate with each other, connect while raising kids, and strengthen their partnership so they can enjoy their marriage no matter what comes up during parenthood so we can have a healthy marriage that we wish that we had. So welcome, Michelle. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Heather. So glad you are here. So Michelle, um, can you tell us a little bit about the age gap of your kids and then a little bit about your motherhood experience? Yeah, so I've got three kids. I have a stepson who's 14, a son who's seven, and a daughter who's almost four. So, yeah, I've been in my stepson's life since he was just under two, and we decided to kind of just like wait a little while before we added to the mix. And my experience with motherhood, I feel like I experienced the transition of becoming a mom in two different ways. Once was when I started dating my husband. It was very much like a decision, whereas Normally, when you're dating someone, it's like you kind of fall into it. You are interested and you decide whatever. But because my husband had a son already, it was like a very big conscious decision we both had to make because we it wasn't just us two. It was like, a, okay, are we doing this? Because if we're going to do this, then we got to do this the right way. Like as soon as we decide we're going to date because we were already best friends, right? We That trust was already there. If we decide to date, then I'm going to be some level of a mother figure, right? So that experience was very jarring to me. At the time, I was not ready to have kids, but, you know, I very much wanted to be with my best friend at the time because I could see how aligned we were with our values, how we want to live life. And I just thought that we would really have a beautiful life together. And at the time, I think I was like, geez, 25 or so, something like that. And I was still partying on the weekends, like every Friday, every Saturday night. And I did like a complete 180. I'm like, okay, I am a mother figure now. I can't be doing those things. And at the time, my friends are still doing those things. None of them had kids. I think maybe one that I wasn't that close to had kids. And I felt like all of a sudden I couldn't relate to anybody, right? And it was just so 
so different than how I was living life. And I didn't realize how much of myself I was giving up. It was kind of like, it wasn't, okay, well, as a mom, I probably should be doing these things instead, but I could still have these other aspects to myself. It was like, no, I just can't be that version of me at all. And I have to do this. And so I definitely lost myself in those beginning years. And it took a while for me to climb out of it. And, you know, with any journey into parenthood, you realize what kind of parent you are. And a lot of times you're like, oh, shoot, this is not who I thought I would be. My mom is coming out or my dad is coming out. And it's very (laughs) triggering. (laughs) And then it happened again when I had my son, my first biological son, who is now seven. Because with our oldest, I didn't experience the whole, you know, giving birth, the newborn phase, and just, you know, having your body become almost like someone else's. I went through it again. I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, for someone who loves to eat, I found myself forgetting to eat, right? I found myself not even brushing my hair, not caring about what I wore, not bothering to make an effort to go do things that made me feel myself, right? I barely saw friends. And when I did, I would feel out of place. And everything was just about my son. Because in the beginning, it was like, oh, I have milk production issues. We got to like figure this out. And, you know, I really felt like I became like, a dairy factory. Like, okay, I'm going to have to like somehow increase my production. And I was very like type A about it, stressing myself out. And he was like allergic to sleep. I say, I mean, he wasn't actually, but it felt like that. It would take over two hours to set him down at night. And he would take longer to fall asleep for nap time than he actually slept for nap. And I was just like, at the time, I didn't know this, but I was not in a good place with my mental health. It was just too much, too much of being a mom and too little of being me. So thank goodness, come the third child, I figured it out. <laughs> I figured you out say how that- important it is to prioritize myself and and my marriage because we ended up arguing a lot less in the beginning and we had a much better foundation and partnership going into it. So yeah, I'm not like, I'm not like, oh, she's a marriage coach. She like totally <laughs> had a rock solid marriage the whole time. I was like, nope, I was in the trenches just like how many couples are when they add kids and we've made it through and I've learned a lot of lessons in the process and did a lot of growing. And now I want to help others be able to do that and not feel like they have to press pause on their relationship just because they are raising kids, but rather, hey, it's just a matter of acquiring some skills, being really intentional and communicating. So if you got all that, you can make it through. You can still feel like, oh, I like my marriage. Ooh, I want to hang out with you. Not, no, not tonight. I'm too tired. Nope. Touched out. Don't even think about it. Or like, you know, be in your room on your respective devices and not really talking to each other. So if that's your reality, it doesn't have to be that way. You can enjoy your marriage. You can still feel like a couple without waiting until the kids are like school age or 18 and moved out. 
I love how you shared your journey with that. And I think when you have those challenges and struggles, that that allows you to help others more because you, you've been in their shoes. And it was really interesting to hear how you took on the mother role early while your friends were doing other things and you had to adjust then. And then when you had your first biological son, that that was just like, okay, wow, this is probably not what you expected it to be. And it kind of sounds like by your third child that you had more of a foundation. So was that journey a little bit smoother for you? Or were there still some things or times along the way, especially during maybe like the baby and toddler stages? Because you said she's about four now. So you've just been through all those stages. Would you say there's just anything that's kind of come up that's kind of challenged you a little bit? Or did you feel that you were just really super prepared for this one? I think that we were definitely more prepared. It helps what I do, like in my line of work, right? It's all about, yeah. okay, what's working? What's not working? What can we do about it? So I'm very solution-oriented in that way. And my marriage is very important to me. I am like always wanting to keep a pulse on it. If if I'm noticing that we're feeling disconnected, we're going to do something about it, right? And so come the third child, we knew what we were getting into. Obviously, every child is different, right? They've got their own challenges and their personalities. But I feel like because we had grown so much as a couple with how we communicate, how we support each other, learning more about, you know, what we each need, how we feel connected to each other. It was more of like, okay, let's continue keeping a pulse on how our relationship is going. So when we do have a dip, we can get back like on the proverbial horse much faster rather than what I feel like a lot of couples do. And what we did earlier on is, oh, I'm feeling disconnected. Let me internalize this and view everything that you're doing from this negative lens and have that resentment build, but not saying anything because I'm waiting for them to do something for me to like put in effort and energy into the relationship. Like, I feel like that is one of the biggest things I hear from my clients. Well, yeah, I haven't planned anything to for us to do together because they haven't done it. Why does it always have to be me? And it's like this pride and hurt that's coming up. But if you really think about it, like if you were to zoom out and look at it, it's like, okay, well, what if he's thinking the same exact way? Well, she's been not so fun to be around. So why would I want to plan to hang out with her? If she's serious all the time, when I try and joke with her, she just tells me to knock it off. Or when I try to flirt with her, she tells me to stop. Not now. Like, are you creating an environment that is conducive to a fun, connected relationship, right? So it's not so much about the, oh, when you or once you do this, then I will become this version of myself that has a marriage that we want to build together. It's more of when I become that version of myself and set myself up for success to be that most days, most moments, that's when I'm going to have the marriage that we want. And I think a lot of couples have it backwards. They they think the change will happen. Their partner needs to change first before Exactly. Especially from women, right? I think because we are much more relationship-based people. We have been taught to be that way. And I think inherently we are more of the nurturers 
you know, just thinking about the caveman days, right? Like what did men do versus women? Women were the gatherers. So we were in community with each other. We raised our families together in a village and the men are very laser focused to go hunt, right? They, they do things on their own. And so they are very much about achieving things, getting things, whereas we are more so about making sure that the relationship is good, the home life is good. And so I like to think of us as the heart of the family. So we, we as women lead differently than men. It's not that they're in charge, but we are in charge of different things. And so in a relationship, we tend to be the people who are like, okay, um, let's go hang out and let's go do this. Or we're, we're creating an environment that is peaceful, harmonious in, in, you know, mentioning, Hey, I would love to do this. Whereas men are, are very focused on, okay, how can I provide for the family? How can I make sure that we're safe? How can we da 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 Right. So yeah, it's easy to step into that, that role where we're like, why am I always the one? Right. And resentment is a very, very unhealthy place to be if we sit in it. If you notice you're feeling resentful and you do nothing about it and you let it brew, that is the number one connection killer that is going to kill all motivation for you to actually invest and prioritize your marriage. And if you're sitting in the, well, I'm tired of being the only one that does this, he's going to have to do it. But you don't share that you want him to plan and you don't share what you need. Like, hey, I love it when you give me hugs throughout the day. I love it when you text me. I love it when you check in on me. I love when you ask about my day. I love when we can touch base at the end of the day before we, you know, go to sleep or I love it, you know, whatever it is. When you don't share these things, he has no idea what's going on. He looks at you and he's like, she's got it. She's fine. She's not asking for help. So she must not need any. She's doing well. She's doing much better than I would doing those things. So he doesn't know how to support Mm. you, right? And meanwhile, you're having all this resentment brew on the inside and you're not speaking up. And when you finally do, it's because you couldn't take any more and you explode. And then what does that look like from their perspective? It looks like you are crazy. It looks like, where did that come from? You just blindsided me because you're shooting out examples that go as far back as months or years ago, right? And it's unfair to both of you. You should not have dealt with that for so long without speaking up. And he's like, "Um, it would have been better if you mentioned this when it happened (laughs) so that it could have been a simple conversation between two adults resolving an issue and then moving on. But now it's become this big issue. and each of your pride come out and you guys start arguing and all this ineffective communication tactics come out. I love that shift on how giving positive feedback on what you like uh, as opposed to kind of building this huge thought form of all these things, all this resentment over time compiling and not communicating that and probably there is probably some form of communication of it which might be more on the passive aggressive side, whether yep. intended or not. We're not if we're not aware of how we're bottling, like you said, everything up. And I think it's also interesting the perspective of 
when I um, when my twins are born, I read this poem about the perspective of your baby because lack of sleep and colic, it's so tough, right? And the poem just like really reconnected you with with how your baby feels, how they count on you so much and how important you are to them. It's, it's like a heartwarming poem. But to think of that for our partner too, because thinking about all the things that they're doing, all the changes they're going through, and that it's not really, you know, partners against partners, moms against dads. And and I think that that can really build up. And in the online community, I'm seeing a lot of keywords around for couples or what they're going through. I'm hearing like roommates, default mm-hmm. parent. That is a big one right now. What, are those the patterns you're also currently seeing right now or buzzwords you're you're hearing? Absolutely. And, you know, the thing about being a default parent is that it takes two people for that to happen. So when we think of a default parent, what do you imagine? Who is a default parent? Well, you know, I think every time I've heard it, it's it's always been a mom and it and the role of the mom also, whether she's staying at home or a working mom has that motherly care. So default parent, right. typically, you know, we're thinking mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. And so, that mm-hmm. so it takes two to enable that. I'm going to say enable because it's definitely a choice, right? So from the perspective of both people, it could be based on their previous experiences growing up that led to that belief that the default parent is the mom. Because in the previous generations, who was the default parent, right? In the old days when they were like, "Oh, um, you know, the nuclear family." The wife stays at home, the husband goes and works, brings home the bacon, whatever, and she's like a homemaker, right? She's taking care of the kids, having a hot meal ready on the table. And it's so funny because I love to watch relationship reality shows. And one show that I have been binging a lot on lately is Married at First Sight. And in a recent episode that I saw, she's like, yeah, I just want to be a wife. You know, I want to do these things and have, you know, a hot meal ready for you when you come home and greet you warmly. And I'm like, what? That is not what it means to be a wife, right? That is her belief because of what she grew up seeing. But that does not mean being a wife, right? That is being a supportive partner. If you enjoy that, awesome. If if that's what your partner wants, cool, and you're willing to do it, right? But when it comes to being a default parent, you really have to understand where are you coming from? What beliefs shaped this idea of what a default parent does and how they are and who it is, right? And if you are feeling resentful about being the default parent, I want you to take a hard look in the mirror and ask yourself, how am I reinforcing this? Am I not communicating that I want things to change? Am I quick to assume responsibility over things rather than presenting the issue as if you're in a team? Hey, team, we've got this issue coming up. Who's going to take this? right? Or who's most equipped to do this? Or we're like, oh, but I have more experience doing this, so I'll just do it. Or you give it to them and you're like, oh, you're not doing it right. I'll just take it back. And then it never goes back instead of training your partner, right? And then comes the resentment. Well, 
Why do I have to teach them? I'm not their mom. Well, yeah, if you think about it from that point, yes, you're going to feel resentful about it and you're going to take it back and you're going to get burned out and then have that narrative constantly replaying of why do I have to do everything? But if you think about it from a place of curiosity and passion and you're like, how was their childhood? What did their mom do? What did their dad do? What are they? What like what were they taught to do? How was their childhood? Were they were they taught to be a nurturer to look after kids? Were they taught to be an equal contributor in the family like their parents made them do chores and taught them how to life, right, as an adult? Or did they not? You kind of have to meet people where they're at. You can't just be like, well, this is what I need. And if you're not that, then goodbye. If you truly love your partner and you're committed to making your marriage work, see them for where they're at and meet them there. Okay. You didn't, you didn't grow up doing chores. Fine. We're going to do this together. And then you can figure out a way that works for you. Timing wise, method wise, but this is the basics of how to do that. And that goes along with parenting, with, with running a household and being a partner, right? We don't all come out of the womb equipped to be a wife, a husband, a parent, right? We are just a a culmination of our experiences and, and the lessons that we've learned. And I think we need to release the high expectations that we have for each other and just notice, are they willing to help? If they are, amazing. That's them being a partner. If they don't know how to, that doesn't mean anything against them, right? We need to stop looking at a partner and saying and thinking, they need to be more like me. That's not fair. And a lot of my clients look at their partner and they're like, they don't notice that they're trying to almost like they, they're seeing their partner as someone that needs to be like a man version of them. Well, if they did what I do, if they thought like I did, then we would be fine. But when we hold someone against that standard, it creates resentment from their partner and it's unfair. We're not truly appreciating them for who they are. Every partner brings something unique into the relationship. We all have our own strengths. We all have things that we need support with. And that's what it truly means to be a spouse, right? To accept and love and and support each other. Are you doing that? Or are you just, I'm sorry to say this, but being selfish about it, right? Are you just saying, well, you're not meeting my expectations. So therefore, I'm going to withhold sex. I'm going to withhold love, appreciation, compliments, or, you know, I'm going to stop doing nice things for you. Is that the type of relationship that you want? If it were in reverse, probably not. Hey, mamas, let's take a quick break. I wanted to share with you Meltdown Mastery, the listening and skilled toddler mini course. Get helpful tools sent straight to your inbox and get your child to listen in two seconds. Imagine a calm home with less meltdowns. Go to the show notes for the link or head to twinmomroadmap.com backslash guides for super helpful tools and resources. Also, 
Become a part of our cozy Facebook community for support, conversation, and double the laughter. Link in show notes to join. So I love what you just said because I feel like you know, it can be like a big thing from childhood where we're taking kind of like our our parents' relationship and projecting it forward, having all these kind of thoughts and stories in our head about partnership, about expectations. But sometimes I also love how you said it can be kind of smaller things. For example, just like oh, can you do this? And then, oh, you didn't do it the right way. And I've caught myself doing that. And for an example, with bath time, my husband was helping with bath time, but then, you know, he was pouring the water over their face, the water was getting in their eyes, they get upset. And I would be like, that's not the right way to do it. Or don't use that pouring cup, use this one, like, oh, kind of like trying to control. And I think as moms, we can get caught up in the, and one day I was just like, you know, He's trying his best. He's there. And and I caught myself in the moment. I was like, don't do and then I was like, use whatever, use whatever cup thing, whatever. Just use it. I I, you know, I'm gonna sit over here. <laughs> yes. And, and, I, like, and sometimes it does yeah. require us to step away because we have to let them, right? Like if they're willing to help, then or I I, I hate the word, I feel like a love hate. Uh, yeah, we should put the word help. Yes, right? I understand. If they're willing to step in and own this or even just take it on for the day, whatever's going on, whether you're sick or this is now part of their routine. We have to let them fail their way to figuring out what their routine is, how they do it, right? And I think it comes from a good place when we're like trying to be controlling, right? It's just not the right approach. We want to protect them from making the same mistakes that we've made. And we do this to our kids too, right? We're like, oh, don't do that. We, cause we already know, we've already experienced the backlash and the consequences, right? Yes. It's really, oh, don't do that. And it also kind of, it like eats away at us when we hear our kids in distress, right? It's like, I've done this a hundred times already. I know what is the best way. But the thing is, that is the best way for you. You are an entirely different parent to your kid than your partner is. They could do something that won't work for you and it would work for them because their kids are seeing that this is an t- entirely different person with a different um vibe, right? A different, uh, I don't know. I I think vibe really encompasses it, right? You might be really strong, like high strung. They might be really chill. So they could be doing something and then you try and do the same thing. It's like completely different response from the child. So if it bothers you, just get out of the room. Okay. (laughs) Just let them handle it. And I still find myself like doing this too. And I really have to be like, oh, just shut up, Michelle, right? Like last (laughs) night, my husband's like, oh, I'll put our daughter to bed. And I'm like, okay. So I help our son and I come out and I'm like, why is he still doing dishes? And she's still out running around. She's not like, he doesn't even look like he's going to go give her a shower or, you know, get her dressed and get her ready. And I was like, "Um, what's going on? He goes, I got it. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I was about to like say more. I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm just gonna take my son upstairs. Like, I'm just not like, let's not go down that. Cause like nothing good can come of that because 
When we do that, we're basically communicating, I don't trust you. I'm questioning your parenting skills. I'm questioning how you are doing this. And you know what? If it ends up with her melting down, he's he's going to deal with it, right? And if he wants to figure it out with me, he will ask for me. He will ask for my help. He will ask for advice. He is a grown adult. So just let them. Let them learn. <laughs> yes. It's so important because if partners or dads don't get that experience to help out, that that also can build anxiety for them too. Because when while 100%. moms have anxiety about going from going to solids for their their baby, you know, and if if dad hasn't even had any opportunity to feed them, first of all, he's not going to know what to prepare for a meal or a snack, number one, and just be like, oh, what do I do? Number two, he's going to have even yeah. more anxiety because he, he knows even less about what a good situation is like and worry about choking or things like that. So it's like, it is yes. so important to let let them try it. It's okay if it doesn't, like you said, it's okay if it's not perfect. It's okay if, right. you know, there is a meltdown or something and that they will learn from it. But it's kind of part of that stepping back you're talking about, for sure. Yeah. And we, we need to let them learn from experience, right? If we consistently say, oh, well, uh, I have more experience. I'll do it faster. I'll do it better. They're never going to have that opportunity to learn. Let them figure it out. And you can ask them, hey, do you want tips on what I figured out works or you got it? And then if they say they got it, then they got it, right? Unless it's like a safety issue, then you're going to have to just like yes. let them leave the room if you need to, if that's going to help you contain your like inner control freak. <laughs> <laughs> Because like you don't want that to come out in your marriage, right? So leave the room. It's totally fine. And you could just say, okay, well, I'm going to be over here doing this if you need help, right? And if they need help, they can Google it and not have to ask you if they don't feel like asking you because they're prideful or they can ask you, right? But if we don't give them the opportunity, you're always going to be that default parent. That's why I said it takes two to enable it, right? And I know of parents, dads in general, who have never, ever bathed their child. Wow. And that, to me, blows my mind. Yeah. Wow. That blows my mind. Okay. If that's okay with the wife, cool. That would not be okay with me. Because what happens if the mom wants to go somewhere, like go out with her friends or leave town? She can't. Like, that's not okay. Plus, the kid needs to see what equal partnership looks like. That means there are no pink and blue jobs when it comes to parenting, right? Everyone should know how to do everything. Of course, the kids, depending on their temperament, are going to prefer a specific parent. But does that mean they always get them? No, because then you're teaching them they're always going to get their way. They have to learn how to deal with different people. That is a life skill that we all need to learn, right? Just like with my teenager, he's in the phase where he doesn't like any of his teachers, maybe like one or two. I'm like, yeah, that really sucks. Good thing you don't have them forever and it's just for a year, right? Yeah. You're going to keep having teachers you don't like. You're going to have bosses or coworkers you don't like. You're going to meet people you don't like. 
you're going to have to learn how to deal with it, right? And so I think that we need to start prioritizing that partnership. If you want partnership, give it a chance to develop into partnership, right? You can't just be like, I'm going to hoard all these things and be resentful. Well, then you are creating your own spiral. You are like in this cycle of, well, I'm not willing to release anything. I'm not willing to let you learn or try. I'm not willing to teach you, but I'm going to hold it against you. Wow. That, that is so powerful when you hear it that way. And that's all that internal things going on that is unspoken being said, and you can feel all the energy behind that. That, that is, yeah, it's, it almost leaves you speechless. Yeah. I mean, are you horrible for doing that? No. You probably don't even realize that it's like a double-edged sword for you. Like either way, you're going to lose and so does your marriage and so do your kids. So it's more of bringing awareness and being willing to look in the mirror and be like, oh, that's the part that I can own. Okay, what am I going to do about it, right? What am I going to do about this? Because a lot of times when we're unhappy about something, we have a part in it too, but it's much easier to just look towards the external. What are they doing wrong? What are they doing to make me feel this way? Instead of sitting with our own feelings and be like, hmm, okay, that's that. And how am I contributing to this? How am I enabling this? How am I preventing what I want from happening? What can I do to make a more conducive environment for this to become what I want, right? Oh, I'm actually not being a very good delegator or I am treating him like I'm his mom or, you know, like I am actually not being very fun to be around. What is it? Right. Yeah. Take a look at what you can do because that's what you have control over. And I, I know that that's hard to hear. Right. Because like, but that's much like I don't want to look in the mirror. That's hard. That doesn't feel comfortable, but it's more effective right? You are going to expend way less energy trying to just mind your own business, stay in your own lane, than you would trying to control everybody else. And that's not just for your marriage, but that's just relationships in general and such an important lesson because we're teaching our kids these lessons and all their relationships going forward. And we're modeling, we're modeling a lot. So I think that is oh, yeah. is super important. Now, there's one thing I wanted to ask you. So I just noticed, like I hear this a lot and it's kind of like, you know, when couples, they plan to get married and this is kind of this planning piece, what might tie back to our earlier conversation. But when they're, when couples are planning, they're like, how many kids do you want to have? Maybe, you know, do we want to be in a house? Where do we want to live? Um when do we want to have kids? Maybe those things are talked about, but there's other things that don't get talked about as much, such as the logistics, you know, the financial situation, the is mom working or not working? How are we going to afford the the mortgage or any financial stresses that might come up? And just like a plan for surviving the first year with a baby or like a new transition like that. Even if you have older kids, that's that's a big change, not just for you, but for them. That is a change for your older children, bringing a new child into the family. So 
And, and some say that there seems to be a lot of resources when you're pregnant, but once once the baby is born, it seems like, you know, support support just goes out the window, like family support, friend support. And then some say they feel this with their partner. What is the talk that we needed to have? Like if, if there's any moms listening right now and they're maybe thinking of having, you know, they already have a child because they're listening to this podcast, but if they're thinking of having another child, what is the talk that that needs to be had when expecting another child into the family that wasn't had the first time. Yeah, I love this because I do feel like a lot of parents are ill-prepared when entering in parenthood because it has such a large impact on their relationship, on life as a whole, on you as an individual. And so I actually have a free training about this. It's called the number one conversation married couples need to have, but aren't. So I'll, I'll share that. Um, so you can go check that out, but if, well, you're already a parent, so you already have gotten a taste of how your relationship has been tested, challenged, affected by adding a kid. So you have a relative idea on what isn't going well in your life right now? You as a woman, you as a wife, and you as a mom. So take that, actually sit with it and understand, okay, these are the areas that I like to improve. And think about what do I want it to look like instead? And have a conversation about it. Ask him, what are the challenges you've experienced since adding kids to the mix? How do you feel about our marriage? What would you like to experience more of, less of? How are you feeling about yourself as an individual? What would you like to experience more of, less of? How about parenthood? And then talk about it and come up with a game plan together. Get aligned with the life that you're creating. And in essence, this free masterclass that I created is about creating a family vision, right? Mm -hmm. When we have a united goal, that will eliminate and prevent so many arguments going forward. It's because we're not spending time aligning ourselves to what do we want our life to look like? How do we see our life in the future? What's our family like? What's the, what's the lifestyle that we have? What are the values that are important to us? What do I need as an individual to be my best self for my family, for my marriage? What are my interests like? What's important to us? How do we want our kids to see us as parents, as a couple? All of that, right? How do we talk about the hard stuff? All of that needs to be talked about and figured out. And obviously, you're not going to get it perfect, but the more preparation you can have done beforehand, obviously, the better, right? Like you whenever you have something big going on, what do you do? You plan for it, right? It's like throwing a party. Mm, okay. What's the theme? Who do I want to have there? Um, what? How do I want people to feel when they're here? How? Do, what? What kind of activities would help create that? You know, what's the decorations that I want? What kind of food do I want? We plan, right? And when we plan, 
then it's not like you're running around like your head cut off, right? It's like, oh my God. And you're constantly in reaction mode. Like, oh crap. Like, okay, that just happened. Now what do I do? And you're in a panic, right? And I heard something on a TV show. It's like, I'm going to butcher this, but it, it was kind of like, the more emotional we are, the less logical we are. So how can you think about things and plan things before it happens so that we can be more intentional about how we respond to these situations with logic, with a sound mind of like, okay, I want this instead of, oh my gosh, I'm like freaking out and now I'm going to do this. And it's, it's usually a rash decision coming from home. I'm going to avoid this like discomfort which isn't always an effective way to deal with things, right? So you already know and have so many resources at your fingertips just from your phone alone. Look up, you know, common challenges couples face after kids. Talk about it, right? Talk about it. And if communication is something that you struggle with, then come talk to me, okay? Let's get you to the place where you are able to have tougher conversations with each other without it turning into this nasty fight, right? So that you can get on the same page and and truly level up as partners and and experience conflict in a way where it's like, oh, yeah, I don't have to hide from this. I don't have to avoid it because this is how we level up our marriage. This is how we strengthen it. And this is what we need, right? This is how we keep our marriage strong and and build on that foundation. Absolutely. I think finding that time to communicate, and I I totally agree with that. And I think that if communication is an issue, that seeking some extra support is super important because if you know the two of you are going to be just, it's just going to start a trigger or a fight into something and a cycle that you know is going to happen again, that, 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 you might need something else. I can say one of the best things that I did, or we did, I should say, for our marriage, um, me and my husband, was we we did like a counseling prompt where we went through all the different family rules of our childhood and we talked it out and how we thought it was showing up now. And just having that prompt, you know, it, it kind of made some separation for us. So, we weren't kind of coming at each other. We were kind of more of like, oh, I didn't know that th- that happened with you or, oh, that's how you feel. Yes. And I think that's the the beauty also of have, seeking support like a coach as well, because you, there, you, you need a little bit of that separation, um, especially if you feel like you're going at each other. I think that's super important. And it's like, even if it's tough, it's like you won't regret it because it, it, it teaches you so much and that you're going to come away with something. Even if it's not something from your partner, they, it wasn't what you were you know, hoping that would be resolved. You're, you're going to learn something about yourself from it. For sure. Yeah. And I do think that marriage is one of those experiences in life that is really a personal growth journey, right? The more we understand about ourselves, right? What we feel, what our emotions mean, what we need, what we want what our triggers are, the more we can show up as the calm, present, fun, flirty, compassionate wife that we want to be, 
But maybe there's like blocks there, right? Like the resentment, like your past experiences, whatever is coming up for you, how you see life, right? We're just all, your husband included, walking around with like a lens that's showing us different things. That's why we perceive things differently. For one wife, if if a husband is like sitting on the couch, she could be totally fine with it. Oh, cool. Good for him. He's resting. He deserves that. While another wife is like, the nerve. Who does he think he is sitting down to relax when I'm working on all these things? Right? That says more about you than it says about him. And I think the more we come to terms with that and and are able to really reflect on, oh, what's coming up for me right now? The better the conversation it will be. Because then it's just a matter of, oh, I'm I'm feeling some resentment here. What can I do about this? I should let him know that I, I want help with something. Or I should let him know, hey, I think I need a break. Are you able to like cover and watch both kids on Saturday so that I can just get an hour or two to myself or go hang out with my friends or go on a solo trip by myself? I need a reset. But when we don't communicate what's going on inside of us because we don't understand, Then you're entering into this pattern, this loop where you're like, same thing every single day. And it just wears on you and it wears on your marriage and the kids feel it. And that becomes their norm for what they believe marriages are like. Right. So if you're a mom who's like, well, I have trouble doing things for myself, this is not just for you. This is literally like, if we're going to talk, like the big, big picture, right? This is affecting your husband. This is affecting your kids, your kids' kids, those kids' kids. Like you are creating a ripple effect with what you do and what you don't do. So if you want to stop experiencing your relationship like just version 1.1 of your parents' relationship, and you want to go to like version two, version three, it's going to require you to do that deep inner work. And you can do this yourself. You can read books, you can listen to podcasts, you can do journal prompts or whatever, or you can work with someone who's guiding you who does have that expertise to be like, okay, I see what's going on here, like in in much less time. Right. And notice what your blind spots are. Notice what what beliefs you're carrying into your marriage that are affecting how you're showing up and and helping you through it, teaching you the strategies, teaching you the mindset shifts that you can have to help you release the resentment, become a better communicator, ask for what you want, understand yourself better, create that partnership that you want. Right. Either way, you have everything that you need to be able to do this. The question is, are you willing to do the work? And how do you want to do it? Do you want to do it on your own or do you want to get help and and do it faster? Settling for marital dissatisfaction is a choice. So if you're ready to be like, okay, I want more for my marriage. This is not what I saw us becoming. And I want to live out the rest of my years being happier with my spouse because I love him. But for some reason, we are just not on the same page and we cannot 
figure it out, get help. Okay? Watch my free masterclass, check out my podcast, reach out to me. Let's talk about coaching because you don't have to stay in this at all, right? And I think a lot of women tend to like put ourselves on the back burners, our needs. Whereas like if your kid needed something, it's like, boom, within five seconds, I've already got Google pulled up on how to fix this, or I've already made an appointment with the doctor, or I've already sent them to um, or created an appointment for, you know, whatever help they need. But when it comes to ourselves, it's like, I don't have time for that. It's fine because my friends' marriages are like this too. And it's normal. This is a normal part of marriage. But normal doesn't mean healthy. And normal is actually different depending on who you surround yourself with. A hundred percent. Hi, parents. On next week's episode of Toddler Toolkit, we are going to get into the nitty gritty on why toddlers say they want something when they don't actually want it, and then they get stuck in a tantrum loop. Why do they ask for something, then cry and not want it? Or why do they only want something from mommy? So I can't wait to answer some of your biggest questions in next week's episode. But right now, we're going to get back to the interview. Thank you. It's so normalized, so many of these relationships, not even in just, you know, toxic toxic relationships and dating shows, but so normalized and on social media and a lot of validation. While, you know, yeah, validation is nice for what we're going through, but it also adds like a snowball or a waterfall effect to and, and just fuels it even more where really sitting with yourself, really working on it or seeking support really is is a different way because, you know, Facebook groups and social media is not going to help you get in the direction you want your marriage to go. And I, I can say, like, I know I gave the example earlier of doing the family rules, but, you know, um, I can say, like, I was that mom, you know, I uh, I was having some struggles in the family support system, I'll say. And, uh, you know, I went to a Facebook group, I posted about it, and I kind of got like a a pep talk about, you know, how I, what I needed to do or how I needed to step up, but it was not really truly support. And, and in my family system, it was a very kind of a unique thing. And I really needed to seek an expert that dealt with the particular thing I was going through very specifically. And that phone call, was I think one of the best things I ever not, not just in marriage but in my in my like in the last five ten years best thing I ever did and it was so it's like the priceless what what it did because not only did it seriously help me because I was suffering so much it helped my marriage and it directly impacted how I was with with my children at the time and they were younger and I remember my twins would wake up one of them would wake up in the middle of the night, I would be carrying like on my shoulders, this kind of like, this kind of the stress, this, this resentment and bottled up feeling. And it would be like, oh, you better not wake your brother up. And I could just feel it. And then, you know, I knew I would be up for the rest of the night because I got, because my cortisol was going, I was so frustrated. I was so, um, and not until I had the, had that call understood what I was going through, totally shifted all these things, you know, over two phone calls. And then I was able to 
yeah, I was able to go get my babies in the middle of the night and put them, calm them, put them back to sleep and go right back to sleep. Like it was keeping me up all night. And I think it can manifest in ways like in all these kind of different ways. And so it just shows the importance of if if you feel like this is speaking to you and you know this is you, that it, it, you are worth it. You're, I know you. everybody here that's listening to this podcast obviously cares about their toddlers because they wouldn't be listening to this podcast if they didn't, that you want what's best for them. So if you do feel like the, this is you, then yeah, it is super important to to take action. Listening to the podcast is great, but taking action is what really mm-hmm. will make a difference for your children, but ultimately for you and your marriage. Absolutely. And I kind of want to just like piggyback off of that because a lot of people are not practicing discernment when they are talking about their marriage and asking for help. Because talking about your marriage to the wrong type of person can leave you doing things that will continue to damage your relationship. Right. And I'm talking about that friend who's like loyal to a fault. Right. Obviously, it feels really good to talk to someone who is validating you and like telling you that you have every right to feel how you feel. But there's a difference between validating and helping you through it, right? If someone's just validating you and they're like, yeah, you you should just stop. You should just stop trying because if he's not going to try, then why are you doing it, right? It's a two-person thing and whatever. You should not be doing this by yourself. That is not helpful at all. Okay. They're not in your marriage. They don't know what's going on at all. They are giving you advice based on their experiences, based on not having to deal with the consequences of taking that sort of action. If the person that you're talking to doesn't have what you want, they're not the person to talk to. You can inform them if you want because you want to be a friend and you want to let them know what's going on, but do not get advice from people who don't have what you want. Okay? Talk to someone who has a healthy marriage that you look up to. I'm going to call those people expanders. And if you don't have one of those people, hello. Hi, I'm Michelle. I have one of those marriages. I would be happy to be an expander for you. I'd be happy to guide you through what's going on and why you're experiencing it, what challenges are actually happening instead of just the surface level stuff and how you can work through that. Okay. So be discerning on who you talk to about your marriage challenges. This includes family. This includes your friends, your coworkers. Okay. Notice how you feel after talking to them about what's going on. Do you feel more angry? Or do you feel like, okay, I have a new fresh perspective to take and I have clarity around what I can do next that will actually help make progress in the situation? Okay. You don't ever want to talk to someone who's going to make you feel more hopeless, more powerless, more enraged. That is so profound, Michelle. And where can our listeners find you for your resources and just to to get connected to you and get get on the path to taking action for their marriage? Yeah. So 
since you're on here, I'm assuming you love podcasts. So hop on over to check out my podcast. It's called the Marriage and Motherhood Podcast. You can also connect with me on TikTok and Instagram. I'm under Michelle Perda Coaching, and I have a free Facebook group that I'd love to connect with you even deeper in, and that's called Marriage and Motherhood. Um, yeah, I I urge you to check out my free masterclass. I urge you to connect with me if if what you've heard here is deeply resonating with you and you are ready for the next stage of your marriage to, to make it enjoyable again. Okay. I offer a free call. We can see if we're a good fit and talk about what working together looks like and how we can achieve what it is that you want for your marriage this year. Okay. It really doesn't take very long, especially when we, when you are committing to doing and working on something that's very laser focused and you're taking the right types of action instead of just doing the guesswork and doing trial and error. Right. And I want nothing more for you than to have the vision that you had for your marriage to be fulfilled for you and your spouse to be able to look at each other and just like feel seen by each other, to feel like you are each other's safe space, to feel like you two are connected, to be able to get back to feeling like you're dating again, like you're an actual couple, not just co-parenting roommates. Okay. So anyway, thank you so much for having me, Heather. I love this conversation. I'm sure we could keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I think we could talk all day. Yeah. Thank you so much for all the insights and wisdom. And what was the word that you used? Being a um, expander and being a mm-hmm. being a great model and expander for our relationship. So thank you so much, Michelle. It was an honor to have you on here. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And that wraps up another episode filled with tools and insights to help your parenting journey have clarity and ease. Remember, every child is unique and so is our experience, especially when there's more than one. Keep celebrating those small victories and learning along the way. I'm Heather, your Twin Mama Guide, and until next time, here's to raising skilled, self-regulated toddlers who listen, learn, and love. Take care and see you soon.